The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello, I'm Bridie Gordon. Welcome to the very first episode in my brand new podcast, Mad World. Throughout this 10-episode series, we're going to speak to people from all walks of life about their experiences with mental health. And most importantly, we're going to discuss why it's perfectly normal to feel weird. And our first guest needs no introduction. I'm very excited for our first guest on uh, this podcast. We have Prince Harry. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm the first guest. I thought you're I first... was... Okay. Yeah, you're the first guest. Okay. It's, it's pretty... We've set the bar quite high. Fantastic. Unless you can ask your granny if she fancies coming on next week. Um, I think she only signs herself up for uh, video uh, auditions and stuff like that. Okay. She's not so into the podcast yet. Oh, wow. Um, I got to admit, I didn't really listen to podcasts, so this could be interesting. Really? Yeah. Well, right. it's just like a chat. It's like, yeah. you know, we're down the pub or something, but we're okay. not. We're okay. in a nice room in Kensington Palace, yeah. so... For all the listeners out there, just picture that, yeah. yeah. Some old school paintings on the wall. There's some there's some signed pictures of you. Yeah, there is signed pictures. No, don't talk about that. That's just embarrassing. <laughs> there's, a, there's a pot of tea next to me. That's great. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. It means a lot. The, what we start with the podcast is by asking people, how are you really? How mm-hmm. are you really right now? Because we ask that question to each other yeah. about 100 times a day, don't we? We'll go, yeah. fine, yeah, fine. But I think heads together, the work you're doing is all about changing the conversation with yes, mental health. Yeah. So can I call you Harry? Can you I just can call, call you Hazza? Right? Yeah, well, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so Hazza, <laughs> how are you today, really? Um, you know what? I've spent most of my life uh, saying I'm fine. And I've used exactly the, the sort of the, the conversation we've just had there as an example to, to, to so many other people with people saying, how are you? How are you? I'm fine, I'm fine. And it was a case of just saying fine is so much better than having to go into the details because as soon as you say, oh, you know, so-so, then there's another question that follows that and then another question and another question. And most of us aren't up for going that deep. So today I'm okay. I'm a little bit nervous. A little bit tight in the chest, but otherwise fine. Don't be nervous. (laughs) No, it's understandable. I won't bite, I promise. Um, So I want to talk about Heads Together and the work you're doing. I'm running the marathon for Heads Together, which is literally mental. The most mad thing I've ever done, and I've done some quite mad things. Um, That's that's what I've heard. (laughs) How did the whole... Because, I mean, you you guys could put your name to any kind of charitable cause, but why did mental health kind of stand out for you? Uh, A combination of reasons, really... One was the fact that because of all the charity work that uh, William, Kath and I have been doing, uh, whether that's homelessness, whether it's kids and early intervention and stuff like that, and obviously with my connection with, the, with, with veterans, everywhere we go, there's a conversation that happens with somebody that we've spoken to that links it into a mental health conversation of, of, of sorts. And all of us came, put our heads together, funnily <laughs> enough, and thought, you know what, what would be really good is if we can somehow capture the interest of the whole of the UK mm-hmm. and make sure that we can somehow change the conversation and change the tide on mental health specifically because it's linked into so many different things. Mm. And while all of this was happening, we kept meeting people that were struggling. And we thought, well, look, we've never, the three of us have never come, to, come together on, on an issue um, because the idea of working together, I think, was probably a little bit daunting. But you know what? It's, it's great fun. And you know, we all have different sort of passions to the to the cause. We all have different reasons for doing it. Um, yes, fine, we have personal reasons, but the main reason was it seemed to be the right time. People were talking about it. It was written about in the newspapers. More and more uh, incidents were being written about and on the news. And we just thought, wouldn't it be cool to, to change the conversation, to get the whole of, the, of this country on board? Because the experience that, that I've had 
is that once you start talking about it, you suddenly realise that actually you're part of quite a big, quite a big club. Yeah, there's <laughs> and, a, there's and a every, real community. Every, yeah, exactly. It's a real community. And everybody's gagging to talk about it. And I don't know whether it's being British and being sort of, you know, this stiff upper lip or whether it's just us not being in touch with our emotions or not being cool to talk about it or being a weakness, all this sort of stuff. After whatever it has been, specifically the last five, six years of talking with the, to, talking with the lads that have left uh, the military mm. and post-traumatic stress spe- uh, specifically or you know, depression, anxiety, uh, panic attacks and alcoholism, all of that stuff, having those conversations with those guys, it became blindingly obvious to me that even if it was a small problem from your youth, something, Afghanistan in a lot of these cases, was the trigger mm-hmm. for, for all of these issues to therefore, you know, to, to, to come forward. So it, it just became obvious to us that no matter who you are, a conversation has to, ha- that has to be the beginning. Because otherwise, how are you ever going to know who to see, where to go mm. and how to solve it? No one's ever got better from a mental health issue by not talking about it. Exactly. And that's the thing. If you stay silent, it's more likely to kill you. Yeah. We don't have to suffer in silence. No, you don't. That's the, the one in four of us yeah. every year. And I, that means four in four of us know someone, right? Who's exactly. going through something right now. Yeah. So you mentioned there were personal reasons. I obviously don't want to be too nosy because I don't really yes, know you, you do. that well. <laughs> I do, obviously. I've got so many questions. No, you know, we've just mentioned the one in four and it's really, really normal to feel weird. In fact, it's probably weirder to always feel normal. Yes, good point. <laughs> I mean, do you have experience with mental health issues or? Yeah, I mean, I've, I think I've, especially over this, uh, this the beginning of this campaign and previously, I think if anybody looked at uh, my life, I can't speak for the other two, obviously. Um, you know, they, they, they've got their own reasons. But for me specifically, if you look at, back to the fact that I lost my mum at the age of 12 mm-hmm. in the, in, on, on, the, on the sort of public platform of, of, of which it was. And then everything else that happens of being in the spotlight and this sort of role and the pressures that come with it. Um, and then going to Afghanistan and then, and then having to, not having to, but then working in the personal recovery unit with, with all of the soldiers as well um, and taking on a lot of their issues. Anybody would look at that and go, okay, there must be something wrong with you. You can't be, you can't be totally normal. There must be something yeah. wrong. And I, I, I sort of buried my head in the sand for many, many years. And some people have written about it and suggested that you know, there might be something wrong with me and it might be Afghanistan related. I can safely say it's not Afghanistan related. Um, I'm not one of those guys that has had to, you know, see my, my best mate blown up next to mm-hmm. me and have to apply a tourniquet to both their legs. Luckily, you know, thank God I, I wasn't one of those people. But... I can safely say that losing my mum at the age of 12 and therefore shutting down all of my emotions for the last 20 years has had a, a, a quite serious effect on, on not only my personal life, but also my work as well. Mm-hmm. And it was only three years ago, funny enough, from, from the support around and, and my brother and other people saying, you, know, you really need to, you need to deal with this. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not normal to think that, you, that, nothing, that nothing's affected you. Um, Is that your kind of way of dealing with it? Cause my, way, my, my, my way of dealing with it was, yeah, sticking my head in the sand, refusing to ever think about my mum because why, why would that help? It's yeah. only going to make you sad. It's not going to bring her back. So from an emotional side, I was like, right, don't ever let your emotions be part of anything. So I was a typical sort of 20, 25, you know, 28-year-old running around going, you know, life is, you know life, life is great or life is, you know, life is fine. Yeah. And that was exactly it. And then started to have a few conversations and actually all of a sudden, all of this grief that I'd never processed started to come to the forefront. I was like, there's actually a lot of stuff here I need to deal with. Um, and that combined with being stuck in certain situations, that fight or flight, mm-hmm. being in situations where you're at an engagement 
and not being able to to do the flight bit, your body ends up kicking into the in, into the fight. And yeah, I've 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 had some. It was only two years, so I can count myself very very lucky. But it was twenty years of of, of not thinking about it, and then two years of total chaos. And I just mm. I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I thought this was part of you know growing up or or whatever. And then people were just like, no, it makes complete sense. And then once you start talking about it to your mates. Two months later, those mates were coming back to me, starting a conversation about, oh, we did this and that. Mm. But in that conversation, they would start to slowly unravel their own issues because they knew that they could, that I could, that I could relate to it. And there's nothing better than being able to share your experiences and, and ask for advice from someone who's actually been through it, yeah. rather than a complete stranger or someone that doesn't get what you've been through. So, did you? Uh, so, do you find doing the heads together thing? I mean, I find when I talk about mental health that. It's not entirely altruistic. It's yeah. also there's an element of it, which is the hearing other people tell me their stories yeah. makes me realise that it's completely normal yeah. to feel this way. Yeah, totally normal. And, you know, I think, um, as I said, as I touched on you, that, that the whole sort of personal, uh, personal recovery unit with the army, I was going there as a volunteer to go in there and show my support and also hear all the stories from, from these individuals. And, you know, there was one day where I went in there in the morning and I, I sat down with three individuals one girl who had tried to commit suicide and told me about why and how. Another guy was, uh, was suffering so bad from post-traumatic stress disorder that he was shaking, blinking, and unable to actually make conversation mm. with me. And another guy who, who had tinnitus from a, uh, a practice grenade being thrown into a tunnel while he was on exercise in Canada. And that tinnitus means that he, can't, he has to go to bed with his missus with a speaker on with, uh, with rain and thunderstorms every single night because otherwise it's just ringing in his ears you know, all night. And then in the afternoon, I was at a world child event, mm. um, you know, meeting terminally sick children and, and speaking to their parents. And I'm just like, ah, so, yeah. you know, you, you sort of park your own issues because of what you're confronted with. And all you want to do is help and listen. But then you walk away going, hang on a second, how the hell am I supposed to process this? I've literally just taken on everybody else's. You've got to deal with your own and stuff. You, but you, you, yeah. you do. And I think, you know, I've spoken to a couple of, whether they're psychologists or whoever, and I, and I, and I, know, I now know, I say, yeah, you guys... What is the rule? I think the rule is like three hours of, of listening to people yeah. is every half an hour of them having to process it themselves to somebody else because we're not cut out to take on everybody else's emotion no. unless you are one of those emotionless people who just doesn't care. But I, I, I got to a point at the age of 28 where I really started to care, was really uneasy, trying to find a path in life. And then by the age of 30, I was like, wow, this is a much better way of life. Yeah. Dealing with all the grief, being able to have that conversation, sharing other people's grief and knowing what they're going through. It's like, OK, now I can actually have those conversations with people and hopefully they can understand that that I that I've got a little bit of experience to be able to share with them. And therefore, you can you can have that banter with them. You can make it lighthearted when necessary, mm. but also you can be the person there holding their hand and being a comfort for them when they cry. It's a fascinating process for me that I've been through, not just personally, but all of the people that I get to meet. Mm. Um, so fortunate to get to meet these people who have literally turned their lives around. And it's all part of a conversation, being able to talk to a brother, a sister, a parent, a colleague, or a complete stranger. Mm -hmm. And as I'm sure you know, some of the best or the easiest people to speak to is a, is a, is a shrink or whoever, I know the mm. Americans call them shrinks, yeah. someone you've never met before. You sit down on the sofa and say, listen, I don't actually need your advice. Can you just listen? Just listen to me. And you just let it all rip. And you've done that, have you? I've done that a couple of times. I'm not <laughs> More than a couple of times. But it's great. And I, I can't believe I've never done it. And you know, I think I, everyone I, should do it. I think everyone should be made to do it on the NHS, just for their well-being. But, but wouldn't it be great? Like Everyone has a stressful week, Monday to Friday. Wouldn't it be great 
if you had some, if everybody had someone to speak to, where you could offload all of your week's grief, all of the day-to-day. Are we allowed to swear on this or not? Yeah, you can swear. Okay, all the sort of the day-to-day shit that everyone has to put up with, <laughs> yeah. because that's the, you know, that's the honest truth. And if you can just dump that on a Friday, how much better would our weekends be? Because I can safely say that once I offload my stuff to somebody else, mm-hmm. I feel so much better. Now that's not a selfish thing, because if you're doing it with someone who's a professional, yeah. then it's their responsibility to dump the stuff off them. But you know, they're, I'm sort of like, they're used to all this sort of stuff. So I know that there's huge merit in, in, in talking about your issues. And the only thing about keeping it quiet is, is the only thing is, is only ever going to make it worse for yeah. you, not just for you, everybody else around you as well, because you become a problem. And mm. I, through a lot of my 20s, was a problem. Right. And, and I, had, I didn't know how to deal with it. I probably dealt with it in, in the same way as you. I don't know. I, I drank a lot. Yeah. When I was ill, I didn't even know I was ill. I just kind of would bury everything. It was that thing of kind of trying to numb out yeah. every, all the pain and yeah. all the issues. And, um, and then it just makes it worse. And yeah. so you're sort of, I was you know, drinking a lot. With me personally, there were drugs involved. And it was just like, quieten this down, quieten this yeah, down. Yeah, sure. And then it works in the moment. And then like a day later, it's 10 times worse. And it's like playing whack-a-mole. Do you know, yeah, the yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's, no, it's true. <laughs> yeah. But then even, even when a loved one or someone really close to you comes up to you and says, look, I, I think you need to deal with this. It's all about timing. Yeah. And, you know, for me personally, you know, my, my brother, you know, bless him, he was a huge support to me and kept saying, you know, this is not right. This is not normal. You need to talk about stuff. It's okay. And, all this. and it, the timing wasn't right. You need to feel it in yourself. You need right? to feel it in yourself. You need to find the right person to, to, to talk to as well. And, and that's what I... One of my biggest frustrations or one of my biggest understandings over the last few years, especially, has been how hard it is to find the right person, the right remedy, because there's so much stuff out there. You've got to find the right person because some people will turn around and laugh. Some people will go, oh, it's not that, it's that. And it's like, well, that's not helpful because I've just spent the last sort of year and a half getting to the point of which I've got to now and you're putting me back like uh, sort of a whole year. So it is, it's just timing, it's finding the right person, but I can't, both of us, I'm sure, can't encourage people enough mm. to just have that conversation because you'll be surprised firstly how much support you get and secondly how many people literally are are longing for you to, to to come out you've got so much more in common than you thought with some people do you know how much how amazing it is what you've just said and i i honestly i'm not just blowing smoke up your ass it does nobody is this rated 18 by the way is, yeah, yeah it's gonna have to have like an explicit lyrics yeah, thing okay. do they even do those anymore i don't know i have I'm no so... idea all i know is that like certificate 12 in a cinema now is way too low for the kind of content that you, that you yeah. get to see uh yeah I mean, what are you going to see uh, that's not necessary um, <laughs> But um, it's really important. And, you know, and I remember when I came to the launch of Heads Together last May and yep. I remember and I wasn't feeling very well at the time. And I remember seeing the kids from place to be and they knew everything about depression. And I, and I thought, God, here are three of the most high profile people in the whole world yep. talking about mental health. Yep. And I just want to say that is amazing, because if when I was 12, a similar thing had happened. I think how different my life might have been. Yep. I really just want to thank you for that because picking mental health is a... You know what, you don't need, no one needs to thank us because at the end of the day, this was, a, this was a topic of conversation that was bound to happen anyway. We happen to have nothing on at the time. And, <laughs> and as I said, the three of us decided to come together because it's something that we really believe in. And one of the, one of the best things ever is, is, I suppose, you know, I think this is what my mother believed in, is the fact that, you know, if, you, if you're in a position of, 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 of privilege or a position of responsibility, and if you can put your name to something that you genuinely believe in and that other people believe in, and if you get that support and that belief and that encouragement, 
then you can smash any stigma you want and you can encourage anybody to do anything. Yeah. And I think that, and I hope that's what Heads Together is proving. This is not about us. This is about every single person out there that is suffering from daily stress, mm -hmm. post-traumatic stress, anxiety, alcoholism, depression, whatever it be. Mm. This is why we're doing it. We're doing it for them. Of course, we're not doing it for ourselves. But, you know, one of the most frustrating things would be to, is to do a campaign like this and not have the support of the media mm -hmm. and not have the support of the public. So I think the stars aligned at the right time. Yeah. And I think it made, made, makes complete sense for the three of us to, you know, to put, put as much effort and as much passion into this based on a lot of knowledge and experience that we've had, whether it be personal or whether it be uh, official. You've, what you're doing is you're turn, taking negatives and you're turning them into positives. And yeah. that is awesome. Hopefully with a, with a, with a little bit of uh, humour to it as well, because yeah. I'm a massive believer. And that is just simply because I spent 10 years in the army. <laughs> but if you sit down and talk to most of these guys about the, you know, the issues that they've had, it's all dark humour. Now, mm. I, I know that the, the general public don't necessarily agree with that to a certain extent. But I can safely say that in Headley Court, when these guys go through the rehab, the idea of someone being stuck in bed and being late to breakfast because someone's nicked both their prosthetic legs <laughs> is part is I know that's you're how laughing, you get through but it. that's how you get through it for them. Now I'm not suggesting that's how the, you know the rest of the the, the the general public do that because obviously it probably won't work and I will get crucified for it. <laughs> but in that specific experience that I've had, it works for those guys and it, and something else will will work for everybody else. But what we're trying to do is normalise the conversation to the point of where anyone can sit down and have a coffee and just go, you know what, I've had a really shit day. Yeah. Can I just tell you about it? Because then you walk away and it's done. Rather than a week later or 20 up. years later, yes. what, some, what, some, what could have been something small can then, can then sort of just grow into this beast of a, of a snowball that you, li you, can't, you can't dislodge. Or you can dislodge, but it's going to cost you a shed load of money, mm. a lot of time, a lot of heartache, and probably a lot of grief for you and your family mm. and your friends. So you feel in a good place now? I feel, I, yeah, I, I, feel, I do feel in a good place. I think um, it's, it's weird because, fine, yes, I'm a prince. I have a house over my head. I have the security that I need. I have a car. I have a job that I absolutely love. Uh, previous to that, I had a second job that I absolutely loved as well. But that, you know, that obviously came to an end for, for numerous reasons. But I now, because of the process that I've been through over the last two and a half, three years, I've now being able to take my work seriously, being able to take my private life seriously as mm -hmm. well, and be able to put blood, sweat and tears into, into, the, into, the, into the things that really make a difference, the things that I think will make a difference to everybody else. You know, for me, Invictus never would have got, never would have, uh, got off the ground if I hadn't have dealt with all of that stuff beforehand. Mm -hmm. For me, the privilege comes with a huge amount of responsibility. If you can sort of, if you can combine the two and try and make a difference and and just be as genuine as possible and hope that everybody else sees that, then you get the support and you get the tidal wave and then you can start making a difference. Because, you know, we know what would really suck is being in a position where you should be able to make a difference, but people aren't listening to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, when it gets to that point, probably when George and Charlotte are growing up, <laughs> and if I have children, they become more interesting. And you do, you, you have to... You You're get kind to of that. looking forward to that, though. I am looking forward to that, but I think that point you have to take a back seat. But as long as we're this age and we're still interesting... We want to make as much of a difference as we can for the better. And if this heads together thing, or when this heads together thing is a huge success, it is um, a huge success already. But, but then, but then you know what? Congratulations to, to to the UK. Congratulations to the whole of the UK, from Lands End to John O'Groats, every single person, whether you've been suffering or whether you haven't been suffering. That is a, a round of applause to us in 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 today's day and age, where 
all, all sorts of things are happening. Um, I think we should all, you know, give ourselves a, a huge pat on the back for getting heads together to this point and for getting the conversation to this point. Forget that it's heads together. It's the fact that that campaign hopefully will remove the stigma and therefore paving the way for for people to be able to talk about issues and and off the back of that you know who knows what happens it's so exciting isn't it, it is exciting but mental health is, is related to so many different things and as, as i said it's it's day-to-day stresses it's homelessness it's doing the work with the, all the all the hiv yeah. um, uh, and stuff like that it, it, it's, it's all it's all connected everybody everybody struggles we are not robots we're humans it's a no-brainer to invest in mental health for e- on every level because yeah. it pays off a happy country is a healthy country and vice versa yeah. But, you know, imagine if everybody's been sort of, you know, wandering around at sort of 50% yeah. uh, mental capacity. I mean, imagine what we as a country could... Uh, I'm not going to be cheesy now. But, uh, <laughs> imagine imagine, <laughs> what, imagine what we as a country, we as individuals could achieve by unlocking that next 25% of, you know what, I've cleared my head of all that rubbish that I don't mm-hmm. need. And now I can function at 25% more in my job at home mm-hmm. as a parent, whatever it be. And that... That is the most unifying thing to everybody, as far as I'm concerned, because it doesn't matter whether you're a, a prince or a mother or a CEO of a company or a white van driver mm. or a kid. It doesn't matter who you are. The mental health, mental fitness mm-hmm. relates to every single one of us. And there's only positives that come out of having a conversation talking about it. So next, do you think children, that, you know, now you're in that good place? You know, I'm a godfather to quite a few of my friends. Uh, How many kids. are you? Um, actually, only five or six. Um, are, you, are you like a really awesome godfather? I'd like to think so. I, but, you know, I, I think the, the key to that is to, to grow up, but also be able to stay in touch with your childhood with, side. Yeah, your childhood side. And you know, if that means going to someone's house and sitting down and playing PlayStation and, 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 and kicking the ass of their son on <laughs> Counter-Strike or, or Halo or whatever it is, then I, I'll try and do that. I'm actually sorry, out, of, out of practice for that. But I, I, I would, of course, I would love to, I would love to have kids. So just quickly, what you, you haven't even looked at I, I know because it's just gone, it's just flown. Okay, it's just flown by Harry. What do you how do you stay sane? So what are the little things, what are the tricks that you that you so do you exercise? Do you do I mean do you do you secretly Morris dance? Do you you know what are the things no, but what are the things I that, don't Morris dance. Okay, that's and sad. I play really bad golf. Really bad golf? Uh, but only occasionally. And uh there was uh, something else you mentioned uh, earlier, which what was it? Not golf, not Morris dancing, there was a third thing. Um, I can't remember what it was. Uh, just general exercise. It yeah. wasn't that. But that's, to me, I, in answer to your question, I have no idea how I or any of us actually stay sane. I say me, I talk about our, our office as a as a whole. You know, the, there is there is day, sort of day-to-day pressure on, on all of us. Um, there's day-to-day pressure on every single person. I get that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was, you know, you, you're asking the question to me and I would say that I, I generally don't know how we stay sane. I don't have any secrets. Um, I've probably been been very close to to a complete breakdown on on numerous occasions when all sorts of grief and sort of uh, lies and misconceptions and everything's coming at you from every angle. But you know, you, it comes with it comes with the job. It comes with the role. And you know, one of the hardest things I suppose is is not being able to have that voice and sort of stand up for yourself. You've just got to let it wash over you. You have to. I hope that you know we as a family or we as a as, as an institution is able to try and remind people about you know certain core values and standards and the fact that you know you can put up with a with a huge amount of grief you shouldn't have to mm-hmm. but you can and some people have 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 techniques and 
you know, I, I think on a, on a very personal level, if I you know, go running or I actually did a, a bit of boxing during those two years, I, I took up boxing because everyone was saying boxing is good for you and it's a really good way of letting out aggression. And that really saved me because, you know, I was on, I was on the verge of pun <laughs> punching someone. So mm -hmm. being able to punch someone who had pads was, was, was certainly <laughs> easier. I want to go running and exercise, exercise, exercise. And, and it really is the key. And you doing the marathon and so many other people doing the marathon for Heads Together for us is such it's I said I was about to say it's a simple solution of which you'll disagree <laughs> but but what I mean by that is exercise is a simple solution yeah it, it doesn't matter who you are you can take up anything and instead of giving up giving up giving up how about take up take up take up and yeah. I know that you know with 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 Lent people are always encouraged to, to give up things I always say well why don't you take up something yeah because taking up something with whether it's you know every day try and go for a walk if you have time or instead of going on the tube, walk along the river, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. I personally think that makes a huge difference. And if, you've, if you're lucky enough and you have the opportunity to get out of, out of town and out of cities, go and get in touch with nature because my, that's what it's there for. And if we lose touch with that, then there's no point in keeping it. If there's no point in keeping it, then I certainly don't want to be on, the, on this planet because it has so many benefits to it. Mm. Um, and as I said, you know, just running through the marathon, running along the marathon, well, it, was it, what is it, 26 miles? I can't even know, it's 26.2 miles. It's the and point the, two that's the significant... Isn't the, isn't the point two down the mile in front of Buckingham Palace? I, well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'll, yeah. <laughs> but I, do you know what I mean? I'll but, be crawling by that point. No, you won't. You're, you're going to nail it. And probably under four hours as well. <laughs> I do not think so. Yeah, that's it. Guys, did you hear that? Under four hours with Brian <laughs> <laughs> Um So, yeah, I, I, I could not encourage people more to, to take up something, take up a new hobby, take up... You know, whether it's boxing, sport, going to the gym, cycling. I know this country is obsessed with cycling. Everyone deals with daily stress. Everyone has their own stress. We have our own stress. With regard to all of us, there are ways and means to be able to get around that stress and to try and cope with, with life in general. And not only is that going to make it better for you, but it's going to make it better for everybody else who cares for you and worries about you. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say to that. Harry, thank you so much. No, thank That's you. That's been amazing. Thank you for the chat. I and mean, it's... I, I feel like I just I want to like clutch you to my bosom again, but I just keep hugging you. So that's just, it's not cool. That's fine. You can have a hug afterwards. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on. And thank you so much for welcoming us into your lovely home. If you've been affected by anything we've talked about in our podcast today, a comprehensive list of mental health services is available on our website, which is www telegraph.co.uk forward slash madworld. If you want help right now, the following organisations offer free and confidential support over the phone. The Samaritans can be reached 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 116123. Or you can contact the mental health charity Mind for advice on a range of mental health issues. Their phone number is 0300 that's 03001233393. And they're accessible 9am to 5pm, Monday to Friday, excluding bank holidays. Finally, there's Young Minds, who provide support if you're a parent or a carer worried about a child's welfare. They're on 0808 802 5544. That's 0808 802 5544. And remember this, you are not alone. <laughs>